0: Up uh, in a white dominant culture, white evangelical space, or if you grew up adjacent to that, one of the ways that um, scripture got a little bit twisted is the way that stories related to Israel's founding or the people of Israel was all was often talked about or seen as as if the United States of America in the present moment was the current embodiment of the people of Israel. So we would read that story and read kind of our nation uh, in, in the place of Israel. Um, and so there's this complicated, I think, untangling that has to happen, uh, to be able to see what is happening in the text, not from that lens. Um, and so maybe a different way of looking at the story of Exodus is that it's a book about major transitions and it's a story about how God relates to God's people in the midst of a seismic transition. And so, um, if we're open to it, It has a lot to say about transitions, and as we experience, I think, collective transitions in this moment, it can teach us a lot about ourselves, not in a, we are kind of Israel in the text, but just in a, what is God, what is God doing in this community? Um, And I think it allows us to come to a deeper understanding of what God's presence is with us and God's character and what it means for God, um, for God to be home and for the journey with God to be our place um, of stability. So, again, this feels fitting because we're in a moment where so much in the world is in transition. There's a way that transition is just normal all the time. The older I get, the more I feel that. But there's a unique transition that we're experiencing um, in this moment as we adjust um, to life in different circumstances, as we adjust um, for those of us who feel like the last six months have revealed more of injustice in the world, and we're realizing, like, oh, I. We're not actually supposed to move on from that. Um, we're called to be the people of God in the midst of that. So, as we come to Exodus 17, here's what's happened Moses has led the people of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. They've witnessed a, like, what is it? Like a powerful empire fall to its knees, right? Be brought to its knees um, through miracle after miracle after miracle. And I can't help but wonder what would that have been like to witness that moment, right? Generations of people in Israel were enslaved and then to have that break um, in relatively a short amount of time. What would it feel like to walk free as you're liberated from systems that have pressed and crushed your people, have extracted all of their labor, right? Have commodified them and then to find out that's over. You're in a new season. There's a transition. So I imagine there was a rush of exhilaration. And we see that in the text as there was celebration. I also wonder if what followed that was maybe something like fear or terror, right? What's supposed to happen now? So where are they? The answer is the wilderness or the middle of nowhere. That's where they find themselves on the other side of this liberation. And what are they supposed to do? Well, walk around apparently and listen for instructions from God that are going to come primarily through Israel's leadership, Moses, Aaron, and other elders, right? So that's the instruction. Um, I think there's probably something pretty disorienting about that process, right? After the um, the period of exhilaration fades and you're suddenly, like, looking around, here we are in the desert, what the heck are we supposed to do in this moment? And that's uh, where we land in Exodus 17, Um we're just a couple of chapters outside of their liberation becoming complete, right? So they have just seen um Pharaoh's military being literally crushed by the Red Sea so that there's no more army coming after them and within the immediate chapters that follow, they are freaking out and asking what are we what's supposed to happen next? So trouble is brewing in their community, and no one feels in this moment at least from the text, like they are living their hashtag living their best lives. No one feels like that in this moment in Israel's story. So here's where we start in Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. I'll read it aloud and then share a couple of reflections on it. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. So one of the things I noticed from this passage is that it seems like freedom Minus your basic needs being met is not a very appealing situation, right? So in my life, um, which I can name as very privileged, right? I experience this when I miss lunch by an hour or two. I get hangry. I see this in my children, right? I'm dysregulated. What's going on, right? So I can't really fathom... What this is like when you have an entire community, right? People, their children, their elderly, their livestock in a desert and there is no water. Um, I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that people can live only a couple of days without fresh drinking water. That's just biologically true. So this is a dire situation. This is not a small problem. This is a big problem and it makes sense. Um, It makes sense why the community is panicking in some ways. And in that moment... For them, structures, even oppressive ones, right, as they look backwards, look better than what they're experiencing. Something about being back in Egypt, even if they have to be enslaved, seems more appealing than what they're currently facing. And that should tell us how bad they feel like the situation is. Um. And that made me wonder, right, if that's what they're experiencing. We are not experiencing coming out of enslavement, but we have experienced a massive disruption in life. And I wonder, six months into this, if we're looking back, and even if we can look back and name, wow, my work-life balance was really off, right? Or the grind culture that we live in. There's actually really problematic things about that, let alone the layers of injustice and oppression in our culture. If there's a way that we look back longingly, longingly and say, But something was normal, and I would rather have that normal uh, over the unknown, right? If I'm honest, I have moments like that on a weekly, if not daily basis. That's a very human response to so many unknowns. And I think we humanize one another when we give ourselves space to say, that's honestly part of the experience, and can we name that? Now, for this community, the desperation turns, uh, it takes a violent turn, right? Moses says, God, they're about to stone me. And in that moment... In this moment of explosive emotions where the community is ready to turn violent because of an agonizing experience, God does something they've never seen before, right? And whereas I imagine in that moment this community is picking up stones, ready to throw it at their leader, God says, I have another way, and actually water is going to come out of a stone. So God provides water miraculously for them, and there's abundant water, right? It's for them, it's for their children, it's for their livestock, And God reminds them that he hasn't led them into a desert to watch them wither, but nor does God say the answer lies in looking back and racing back towards something oppressive, right? God says, no, 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 no. There's something else going on. There's something else I want to do in your midst. God's provision of water in this moment reminds them that God is with them and God will take care of them. Um, And that struck me as significant I think that's significant always. But in this moment, I thought a lot this week that September marked the six-month mark for us, right? Um, March, kind of middle of March, right? We've now passed the middle of September. We're at the end of September. Um, And again, there may be ways that we're looking back thinking, I don't know where I'm going. I feel the unknowns, but I do know what life was like in February, right? I have had many nostalgic moments of thinking about what what were the thoughts I was thinking in February? How did I think things were going to play out next? And none of those things have played out that way. I noticed this week on Twitter, some of you may have noticed this too, there was um, kind of a thread that went viral. So it many people retweeted it. It uh, gained a lot of attention. And it's from a professor of political science at the University of Toronto, whose name is Dr. Aisha Ahmad. Um, And she talked about this moment being what she refers to as the six-month wall. So she is someone who's worked in a lot of disaster zones, um, not necessarily natural disasters, but in war and conflict zones. That's part of her work has been, I've been in those places, and I've been in those places for more than six months, and let me tell you a recurring theme in my experience. And what she said is that it is very normal in a disaster where there's a lot of unknowns uh, to hit a wall at six months where you feel like I just something the mental the emotional energy I don't have any reserves left uh, I'm just I'm feeling the weight of this in a new way and she talked about that being really normal she talked about this at six months being a moment where you have to adapt again. So this morning I was at the grocery store, right? Putting on my mask, had my hand sanitizer and thought, you know, March, this was not what grocery shopping was like. And suddenly this is really normal. And so some of what she was reminding us of is that there are new, new things that are going to be built in this moment. You're going to have to learn new um, skills to cope and to go forward because, um, this is, this is going to last longer than six months. Uh, one of the sobering things she said is we are at best one-third through this experience. So just for perspective. Um, so as I thought about how we apply that, right, what does it mean to hit a six-month wall as a community and to look for the ways God wants to provide I think um, one of the ways is that we can just name ways we're still looking back, right? Ways we're longing for something that is not better, but is actually an old system that we don't want to carry with us into the future, but we have to have space to name those things. Um, We can continue um, to acknowledge the ways we've adapted, both in our own lives and the ways we've adapted to care for the most vulnerable in our community and in our neighborhoods Um, To acknowledge that we're in the midst of really hard things, but to also um, leave space for the ways that God may want to provide in new ways. And I think that can happen in a couple of ways. I suspect there are ways that some of us have already experienced God's miraculous provision, right? Where there's just a way that we didn't know how God was going to do it, but somebody knocked on a rock and water came out, right? And God is doing something new. I think another way that might play out, um, in my experience, the way that God provides is through other people, right? Part of his miraculous provision comes through other people. And so I think there may be new ways that our community has to adapt to take care of one another and to take care of our neighborhoods in ways that haven't been required of us in the past, right? But as we look at walking forward into the unknown in God's provision, part of it is how are we as people um, going to be more open to being... um, the way that God wants to show up with water, right? How, how does God want us to do that? So that, um, that's what I give, what I give to us today is that we're at six months. I want to name that. And I want to give a space this morning to name and be honest without shame about ways we might look backward longingly at a system that oppressed, uh, our neighbors and ourselves in some ways. Um, to name that for what it is and to also say, where, where are we aware of how God is providing and reminding us um, that God is with us as we walk? God has not left us to wither in the desert. Um, God is providing water and we get to be a part of that provision. Let me pray for us. God, thank you um, that you look compassionately on your people. God, I think there's a way that I've heard this passage um, talked about, like we look at Israel's response and they're grumbling um, and we shake our heads and we say, oh, what's wrong with them, right? How could you ever look back and want that? Don't you know what good thing God has for you? Don't you know where God's taking you? Um, God, and yet in this moment we find ourselves in the midst of so many unknowns. Um, for many of us, it's heightened the unknowns that were already present in our lives. And for others of us, God, because of the insulation um of privilege, we we feel like actually the unknowns are I'm facing unknowns in a new way or way I have never had to face. Um, God, and in the midst of that, we want to acknowledge that you in this story know where you're taking your people, um, their path is the place where you will call them. Um, It's the place where you will meet them. It is their home for this season. And we want the same to be true of us and in our community. So would you give us imagination um, to put in our part to build the kind of world you want to create um, where oppression and injustice do not have the last say, got a world we can barely imagine because we haven't experienced it. Um, And would it be a community where we can be honest about the ways that we long for our past normal and the ways we want to call each other to hope um, to the kind of world you want to create and the ways that we're experiencing your provision amongst us and through us. So God, would you give us eyes to see and would you give us the honesty to share with one another what we're experiencing in this moment? In your name, amen. Amen. Amen, Andrea. Thank you for that word.